It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How the Vikings can avoid the trap game versus Chicago Sunday, plus recap and highlights from the T-Wolves victory over Miami. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. So be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on CARE 11. Wednesday, Reg, hump day. Wolves and Ant Edwards flying high last night. Vikes Bears this week. How we feeling? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to go. I'm fired up about the topics we got today. Let's get it going. Okay, okay. Lots to get into. You're right. But first, remember, you got to follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too. Free and available. All platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson show. You got the football party and more. It's your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go. Reggie's ready. He's fired up. Your Minnesota Vikings take on the lowly Chicago Bears. Sitting at two and two, but experts will tell you, record doesn't really indicate how bad this team has looked thus far. Offensively, Justin Fields' project has looked not great. Bears passing game dead last in multiple categories, such as pass attempts and passing yards. Last week, Fields has season highs in both categories with a stat line of 11 completions on 22 attempts. Those were his best throughout the entire season so far. On the year, though, through four games, Fields has just 34 completions and 67 attempts. They're clearly trying to run the ball first and foremost. We get that. That's always been Chicago's thing. But now David Montgomery is out. Defensively, they're better, ranking 11th in league points allowed and 7th in the league in turnovers for us. So everyone's going to pick the Vikes in this one, Reg. We know that. They're seven-point favorites in Vegas to open. That'll probably even go up throughout the week. But they've got some guys dinged up, too. Dalvin Cook, Sidarius Smith, Adam Thielen, etc. And since 2018, the Vikes are just 3-5 and five versus this Bear squad. So no gimmies in the NFL. We always say that on this show. How do you think these two teams match up on paper? And how do the Vikes avoid that dreaded trap game scenario this week? So here's the thing about the Bears. They don't necessarily match up well with the Vikings as far as the talent goes. But every time the Vikings play the Bears, you're just like, okay. Uh, okay because look that monday night game last year man that was tough that was Mm -hmm. that was a little brutal and i think it's because like despite the bears deficiencies they still got some dogs on defense i'm thinking of robert quinn i'm thinking of roquan smith eddie jackson like they've got some dogs at every part of that defense and 
the defense is always going to be good enough to kind of keep them in it. And you look at some of the games that they've had this year. Look, they were uh, aided by the rain in that week one game against San Francisco. That played to their advantage. The rain and the bad field conditions at Soldier Field. They played the Texans. The Texans are still a, a young, bad team trying to figure it out as well. They they got a chance to beat them. But then in, the, in their two losses, they've looked bad. Mm-hmm. Like last week, the offense was sorry. But they're still just <laughs> they're still two and two. And so I think it's interesting to to look at what Vikings team we're gonna see. I was reading an article on Strib the other day. And it was just talking about, like, where is the offensive wizardry that everybody was looking for under Kevin O'Connell? Like, it seems like this offense has just almost been an extension of last year's offense. And I think it's mostly because of the the cast of characters are largely the same. And we know what Kirk Cousins' M.O. is going to be. If he is dropping back there and, you know, surveying the field, if his options aren't there in, like, 2.3 seconds, He's either trying to dump it off or if the sack or if the rush is coming, he's going to take the sack. Like he's not a guy like Burrow, uh, Mahomes, Herbert, you know, some of these guys that are getting themselves out of trouble in the pocket. And so I think that's largely why we've kind of seen some of the the things that we've seen in this offense where you're like, oh, man, I thought things were going to be different. I do think sometimes that Kevin O'Connell has gone away from some of the window dressing that we saw on week one. Uh, it's just like it, it kind of just gets a little ho-hum and it gets a little predictable on first and second downs as far as like, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's there's about to be a run play here. And then I'm like, if I can guess it, I'm pretty sure the the defense is able to guess it as well and they sniff it out. So I think just a little bit more offensive diversity would go a long way for this uh, football team. And look, this is a Bears team that should not be competing with the Vikings, with the Vikings having the expectations that they have this year. Not only playoff expectations, but being able to go and compete in the NFC. This, This thing is wide open. I don't think I've seen a team that I'm like, oh, my God, like, oh, this team is far and away the best team in the NFC. The Eagles are undefeated right now. Not really sure how long that's going to last. You know, a lot has been said about the Bucks this year. They don't look all that great. The Rams don't look all that great defending Super Bowl champs. The Packers don't look all that great. This is a chance for the Vikings to come out and dominate a team as Shaq would say, dominate. Domin- they got to come out there and dominate them, Kenny. They got to dominate the Bears this weekend. But the Bears are a team that always finds a way to stick around. And wouldn't this be the game that, like, Justin Fields throws for, like, 300 yards and, and three oh, it's touchdowns coming. against the Vikings? Absolutely. Yeah, Vikes 3-5 and five in their last date, as mentioned, versus the Bears. But they did sweep them last year, so they've been good mm-hmm. against Fields early on in his career. I want to dive a little bit more into the Fields topic and just the current state of the Bears franchise as a whole. You already kind of touched on it. Because when Ryan Poles was brought in, they didn't do the Quasi rebuild and keep a lot mm-hmm. of core guys. They stripped the whole thing down, man, bare bones and all. And the problem I have with that is the effect it's had on Justin Fields and his development. Mm-hmm. You mortgage so much capital 
capital to move up and go get him in the top 12. You gave away what would have been a top 10 pick this draft to the Jets, who used that pick on Garrett Wilson, which how good would that feel right now? But just zero talent around him with no number one wideout threat. You've got a fifth round pick starting at left tackle and just not much to feel good about if you're a Bears fan who's accepted they're in rebuild mode. That's okay. That's fine. But hard to swallow what you're doing for Fields and his progression in the meantime, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's organizational malpractice. Mm-hmm. You take over this team <laughs> and you get a you have a young quarterback in place and you don't get him any weaponry. Like and you lose Allen Robinson. You're like, hey man, you can walk. Walk over there to LA, go do your thing. And I think that's the problem. You don't have a young developing quarterback and then stunt his development by not giving him top-tier weaponry to throw to. I understand they want to be a run-first team, and Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery are solid. They're strong running backs, and I get that. But you also have to have uh, some complementary football out there. And here's the problem. I have a few problems, okay? You can't just go out there and hire a guy from the Green Bay Packers and then expect him to just fix the offense or expect the offense to just be what it is. He's been way too conservative with with Justin Fields. I think he needs to find a way to simplify things. You look at it, their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze, I got his bio pulled up. Mm -hmm. He's been an understudy of P.J. Fleck in his career. He was the wide receivers coach at Western Michigan under P.J. Fleck, row the boat. He's been a disciple of Mike McCarthy. He was with the Packers once before, before leaving there and going to Mississippi State as the offensive coordinator. Then he comes back to the Packers. He's the quarterback's coach under Matt LaFleur. And it's kind of like how Zach Taylor did it um, with, with the Bengals. Like, he was an offensive coordinator at the University of Cincinnati. Didn't work out there goes to L.A., kind of revitalizes his offensive game plan under Sean McVay, and then he gets the job in Cincinnati, and he has that Bengals offense humming at times. There are some deficiencies in his offense as well from watching that, but we won't go there. But Luke Getze comes in. He has this clay to mold with Justin Fields, and he does not do a good job of putting Fields in a position to succeed. They need more naked boots. They need more play action. They need more more simple passes. Scheme some guys open for him so you can get his confidence up. Because what you don't want to do is knock this young man's confidence because you're set to rebuild. Uh, You still need to be as aggressive and as creative as you possibly can on offense. Give the Bears fans some reason to believe that this guy is it. And what the problem is right now is he doesn't look good because they aren't doing things well to complement what his skill set is. He has a cannon for an arm. He's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the game right now. They don't utilize either of those things. And now they have him out there throwing to, you know, uh, bubblegum wrappers and toothpicks out there. Look, Darnell <laughs> Mooney is a solid wide receiver, right? Equinemius St. Brown, solid. You know, they draft Vila Jones. Right. Yep. He's, yep. you know, don't really know. He's a rookie. Mm-hmm. Hasn't really proved himself yet. 
why don't they have some top tier receiving talent for him so that he could really maximize his talent? You know, our show producer, Matt DeBris, was talking about how on Ron Johnson's show yesterday, they talked about how Justin Fields had all this talent at Ohio State and he gets to the NFL and he doesn't have that type of talent. And, you know, maybe, maybe he is exposed a little bit. Hello, what team, what offense does well without talent? Justin Herbert had no idea he was going to be what he was going to be. But he comes into the league and he's got Mike Williams. He's got Keenan Allen. He's throwing to all these like top flight receivers. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that seems to be a recipe for success. You know, th these young quarterbacks come in. Joe Burrow, he had an aging A.J. Green when he first got into the league. They drafted T. Higgins. A.J. Green goes to Arizona. They draft Jamar Chase. All of a sudden, that offense is humming. They're in the Super Bowl last year. It's something to be said about getting a young quarterback as many weapons as possible. And I understand that the Bears are rebuilding, but they have not equipped Justin Fields to succeed. And here's the thing. People are, like, ready to give up on Justin Fields. They're ready to write him off and all that. Look. Freaking Sam Darnold got four years. They're already they're they're kicking him around all, uh, again in Carolina. Like, well, you know, Baker Mayfield. I don't really know. Sam's still not ready yet from his injury, or else you know he'd be in the mix. What has he done to to show that he is a a, a viable starter in this league? Mitchell Trubisky just got another chance to start. He hasn't looked all that great. Daniel Jones, the leash on Daniel Jones has been the longest leash that I've seen in quite some time for a, a quarterback to prove that he's somebody. And I haven't seen enough from Daniel Jones to make me believe that he is a viable long-term starter in this league. Those guys get four or five years, but Justin Fields is in his, what, second year? And people mm -hmm. are already ready to just write him off? And I just don't understand that. It's, it's, it's quite unfair especially with the assembled talent around him. I'm so glad you brought up Herbert, the talent they surrounded him with, Joe Burrow, the talent they went and got, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, all these guys. You don't have the luxury. You don't get to go use your first two picks on defense when you already invested the future into Justin Fields. And Jaquan Brisker, safety Penn State, Look, he could be really good, man. Kyler Gordon, the cornerback. They passed on Andrew Booth. They went Kyler Gordon from Washington. They get it. But you passed up on guys like Alec Pierce, who's now in Indies, looks solid. George Pickens mm -hmm. looks like he could be the real deal over in Pittsburgh. He came out from Georgia. Sky Moore from Kansas City. You passed up on good talent. You got to take those opportunities and surround your young developing quarterback with talent because what they got right now, man, it, it's just not fair. And, and again, what you mentioned too, what he was used to, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jamison Williams before he transferred over to Alabama. That's a gauntlet, man. A knock on Fields coming out was he held the ball too long in college. You're seeing that kind of carry over a little bit early on. It's early, so I'm not going to make any That's coaching, you know, though. Okay, well, this is what I'm getting to here. His average time it takes him to throw right now is well above league average. He's got the most sacks taken in the NFL right now. And this is when opposing defensive linemen don't have a positive pass rush win rate, which means even when the, uh, the offensive line is doing their job. He's taking way too many sacks right now. He's tied for second most in the NFL in sacks with 16 in four weeks. How much of this goes on the coordinator and the head coach? Because remember, everyone blamed in Chicago the old regime and the old staff 
but it just feels like much of the same, even with the new staff, or there's just not enough talent right now. And in the NFL, you still need talent to win. No matter what scheme you draw up or weekly game plan, you still need those playmakers, those X factors, because Chicago's wide receivers right now are averaging the fifth most yards of separation in the NFL for him. So you can't just say guys aren't getting open for him right now. Yeah, I, I think that's the tough part. When, when guys aren't necessarily getting open, He's going to hold the ball long, but that's coaching. I've seen it time and time again. Mm -hmm. Guys that hold the ball too long, there are drills that they do in practice to get that time just ticking in his head like, okay, two, three seconds. By, by three seconds, if that ball is not out, boom, he's got to go. And so mm -hmm. I think the, the problem is, is I just don't understand how he's being coached there. He has room to get better and improve. Under Ryan Day, he was humming in that Ohio State offense. Like, he was improving and getting better. He is not necessarily improving and getting better. And look, Nagy had him last year. It was like, eh. Now he gets, you know, a new offensive coordinator, and they don't necessarily seem to know what they're doing as well. And, and you look at it with LaFleur being kind of that descendant of the Shanahan McVay offense, like when they get a mobile quarterback in there, it seems to work out really well for that offense, which is why, you know, Shanahan was really excited about getting Trey Lance uh, under center this year. Like it just opens up a little bit more in that offense. And, and you could just kind of see it too with, with the Vikings offense under O'Connell. If he had a little bit more of a mobile quarterback, maybe you'd see a little bit more from that offense as well. They have that with fields they don't take advantage of that that being said something that probably would caution to the wind for for vikings fans man these defenses these defensive performances for the vikings have left a lot to be desired how jalen hurts was just dropping back and just playing pitch and catch because there was so much separation the coverage was so soft that could possibly help a guy like Justin Fields in this game this weekend. If they are content not to play man and to play soft coverage, that zone defense, and all of a sudden he's got guys five, six yards down the field, wide open, able to catch the ball, maybe get a little yak and things like that, build up a young quarterback's confidence, that could mean a lot for a guy like Justin Fields to build that confidence and then start taking some shots and really kind of show to be the guy that people expected him to be coming out of school. That being said, if the Vikings tighten up and kind of play that defense that they played against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in week one, then maybe life is hard for Fields this weekend. But there is a little bit of hope when you look, if, if you're Justin Fields and you're turning on the film of that Vikings defense, you're like, huh, we might be able to do some things on offense this weekend. Yeah, licking his chops watching that Vikings defensive film for sure. Yeah, I think it all boils down to it's not just one thing. It's not the play calling. It's not the playmakers mm -hmm. not making plays or even just Justin Fields specifically. I think it's the fact when Ryan Poles showed up, he had to blow the whole thing up and start from scratch. Mm -hmm. And they just don't have the talent right now in year one of a total rebuild. Again, this is not your Quasi rebuild with the Vikings. This is a team mortgaging the now so they can build a legitimate team two, three years from now. Question is... 
Will you have Rune Fields' development, his confidence, things like that by the time you get there? Is it too late for him? And now you got to go find another quarterback after all that. Time will tell. Plenty mm -hmm. more Vikings and NFL talk to get into. Next, we're getting into some Timberwolves highlights from last night's win in Miami. But first, Vikes Super Bowl odds moved to 18-1 to after the win. 2-1 to to win the NFC North Division. You can check those odds out and more with BetOnline, BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, and info. You want it, they got it. NFL, MLB, NBA, even MMA and UFC. Bet Online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net. It's where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. You can also find us streaming now on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. So look out and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. All right, to basketball we go. Your Minnesota Timberwolves kick off the new season with a 121-111 victory over the Miami Heat. No cat, no Rudy Gobert, no D'Lo. Ant led the team, 24 points. Jaden McDaniels looked great, 10 points in 19 minutes. Jalen Noel was the guy that wowed me, to be honest. Three boards, 14 points, and a plus 11 in the plus-minus category. You're just quick takeaways from last night's game. What'd you see? It was nice. It was nice. Um, I think you expect Anthony Edwards to have a big season this year, and he looks well on his way to that. I know it's just one game, but he's put in a lot of work in the offseason. He's worked on his jumper. He's worked on uh, being in better shape. He's rigorously worked out this offseason. And I think this is something that is going to be uh, a bit of a, a breakout type season for him. As much as a breakout as you can be, I feel like he's already on people's radars. And so he bulked up in the offseason as well. And so I think he went out there and did what you expected him to do as one of the leaders of this team is go out there and shine. And he led them in points with 24 points. And then you saw, you know, Chris Finch coming into the night was just saying he wanted to see like what they were about, like how they looked in real live action. You know, yeah, what's the no identity? Go right. yep. Yeah, no mm -hmm. cat, no D-Lo. But I know after last season, he talked about how he had a lot of high hopes and expectations for a guy like Jalen Noel. He got the start last night, showed, improved, and and really did his thing. A guy like Torian Prince, 19 off the bench, that's really uh, encouraging as well. Look, you're talking about a Timberwolves team that you expect to be in the top three to five in the West. We talked about the win projections yesterday, having the Wolves number five in the West with a higher win total, a higher average wins as they had it there than the defending champion Golden State Warriors and my Lakers. We won't go there. <laughs> but I, I think when you pull off a trade like that for Rudy Gobert, that's something that kind of raises the eyebrows like, oh, okay, like they're going for it. And look, they didn't play last night, but I think what you wanted to see was how are the other guys gelling? 
what are they doing? And you you bring a guy like Jaden McDaniels into the starting role this year to kind of be like a complimentary player. I, if you think like Golden State back in the day, like that Harrison Barnes role at the three, where he's like not the star, but he has to play complimentary basketball. And we saw like Harrison Barnes kind of fizzled down the stretch in their postseason run to the point where they felt like they had to go out and get a guy like Kevin Durant uh, in Golden State. And you're like, oh, okay, you know, that's that's quite the step up from Harrison Barnes. But I think what you're looking at with Jaden McDaniels is being able to step up into that three spot and really be the guy that can knock down the corner three, hustles on defense, you know, three and D type of a guy, and, and really, you know, kind of that slasher, and he's got the talent and the temperament. I think if he continues to grow and take that next step, this team is just going to be off the charts because you're talking about a team that is going to be playing a lot of complimentary basketball. And last night, it, it looked good, man. They It was just preseason. They didn't have Jimmy Butler out there. You know, that's fine. But it looked good. I think what Chris Finch wanted to see, he saw that last night. Yeah, Jalen Noel, man. Easy to see why the Wolves wanted to extend him this summer and why he turned them down. Mm -hmm. He'll make a lot more money next year from what we saw early on. Just one game, 64 points in the first half for the Wolves, so you love to see that. Again, three of their top four guys out. Just how long do you expect these big names to rest for? And when they do play, just how good can they look when they're all playing together? Like, what's the ceiling for this team, in your opinion? I know I asked you that a lot, but now we got our first taste of some of these rolling backup guys last night. Because I know it's only been one game, but just so much hype all offseason. And a lot of fans are very optimistic. How good could this team be? Yeah, I think this team could be strong, man. Like, you look at you look at what they have you know, you were worried a little bit after the Gobert trade because they gave up a lot of depth. But mm -hmm. then they sign a guy like Austin Rivers. They continue to develop a guy like Jalen Noel. Jordan McLaughlin gives them good minutes as well. Uh, Brim Forbes, they bring him in. Kyle Anderson, slow-mo, they bring him in. And he's been a productive player throughout his career as well. And now all of a sudden you have the type of depth that when you don't have Gobert on the floor, maybe you don't have Cat on the floor, you got that second unit in there, and you're still confident that they're able to go and get buckets. And so I think that really puts them in a really good position to succeed. You know, Tim Connolly came over from Denver, and he wanted to kind of make a splash, didn't really know what he was going to do, and he pulled off that big trade, and you're like, oh, okay. And then he kind of brings in some guys that, you know, he has some familiarity with from Denver, with, you know, Rivers and Forbes and, and you know, he's played against a guy like Kyle Anderson. And so he's familiar with some of these guys that he brought in to really kind of be contributors to this basketball team mixed with some of the guys. Like like we said, like Torian Prince looked well last night. Um, you didn't hear his name a whole lot, but you continue to see the, the development of a guy like Nas Reed as well, who is a big out there, but he can step back and pop that three as well. Like, there is just enormous talent on this team. And if they can get the production out of some of these bench guys, the sky's the limit for them. Yeah, when they traded for Rudy, so much was made about like, yeah, this is a great talent. Who's kidding who? You can't argue that. But 
while the NBA is zigging, the T-Wolves zagging a little bit. Everybody seems to be going small ball, and now the T-Wolves are going opposite, getting a big man mm -hmm. and a big defender like Rudy. Is it the equivalent of the NFL where it's such a pass-happy league now, but still there's some teams like Mike Zimmer always was that says, you know what? <laughs> we still got to run the ball and play great defense. Yeah. And with Rudy, you still got to play great defense. That's what he gives us, and you still got to win the rebound game. Is that kind of the equivalent of what you see in the NFL with this pass-happy league? But you still got to be able to run the ball effectively and play good D. It's similar, but what's interesting about it is the two bigs that they have do two different things. Mm -hmm. So like, good point. Yes, they are rim protectors and Rudy Gobert is probably the best rim protector in the league, multiple time defensive player of the year. But they also have two super athletic bigs like they aren't, you know, the big sloppy like floppy you know, lanky guys that, you know, from back in the day, you know, thinking of guys like, oh, Lord, I don't want to do this. Thinking of guys like Rick Smiths or, you know, Arvita <laughs> Sabonis. Like they, you know, like they aren't those type of guys. They are guys right, that can defend right. the perimeter, but also defend the paint. You got Cat mm -hmm. stepping out, breaking threes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, like he's one mm -hmm. of the best three-pointing big men that we've seen since like Dirk. You know, mm -hmm. Dirk wasn't really a post player. Rudy is, but you know, the, the crazy things that they can do off pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. Like, I think that's what kind of makes this a little bit different because I could see if you had two guys like Deandre Aiden in the paint and you're like, Oh, okay. They're going big like that. You're like, what, what are they serious? But they don't mm -hmm. have two guys like Aiden. They have two specialized bigs. And so I think that's what the Wolves are hoping for and are counting on is that with their specialized bigs, they'll be able to compete a little bit more against some of these small ball lineups because they don't necessarily, you know, mismatch when they're out there because those guys are athletic enough that they can defend and they won't, you know, be out there being a, a liability on either end of the floor. Yeah, Wolves fans, just excited to see how this whole thing meshes together when all four of those big guys are on the court at the same time. Wolves get a day of rest, then go West Coast, take on the Lakers on Thursday, tip off late one, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Since the 2000-2001 season, only the New York Knicks have more losses in the NBA than the Minnesota Timberwolves. So obvious mm. why there's so much excitement and optimism around this team with all the talent they've collected over the past few years. All right, that's a wrap today. Back tomorrow, breaking down more Vikes, NFL, T-Wolves. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review. Find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices now. You got to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.